This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zuma Radio, AM 740. And welcome to the Audio Imaginarium. Come on in, weary traveler. Hang your cloak on a peg. Grab a stool and come warm yourself by the fire. There are stories to be told and you are among friends. I pray you all had a blessed and Merry Christmas and a Happy Hanukkah. Probably not the Christmas or Hanukkah that you had imagined a year ago, perhaps. However, we, um, we, we did the best that we could, right? We tried to be merry, not easy under the circumstances. This is our uh, last program of 2020. Of course, we'll be back in January 2021. So for the last program of the year, I thought I'd turn the show over to you. And that means open lines for the entire two hours of the show. Open lines from pillar to post. And of course, I do not need to tell you, there is so much going on in the world. It is almost dizzying, the news cycle. There's the lockdown, of course. There's the aftermath of the U.S. election, which may surprise some of you, many of you. May surprise you to know it is not resolved. Technically, if you go by the letter of the Constitution, Joe Biden is not formally president-elect. I know it has become tradition to anoint the apparent winner of the election as president-elect immediately following the results, but there is a process, and um, that will happen January 6th when the Electoral College votes are certified and counted in uh, the House of Representatives, January 6th. In the meantime, there are still court challenges and vote audits, signature audits, going on, even rumblings of several state legislatures, the swing states that are controlled by Republicans, several state legislatures, perhaps the possibility, maybe a long shot, decertifying the election in places like Wisconsin, Arizona, Georgia, Pennsylvania, even Michigan. So we can talk about that. All of Ontario, of course, 
now in a lockdown until who knows? Does it feel like they're just kind of stringing us along? That maybe from the outset they had in mind they were going to keep us locked down indefinitely, two years, maybe, and they just keep moving the goalposts. Who knows? Who knows what's in store in 2021? And now, of course, the UK variant of COVID-19, which has now reached our shores. I believe there are now two, maybe three confirmed cases. We're told this UK variant is more contagious, but perhaps less deadly, which seems to be the pattern with coronaviruses. They mutate. They tend to become more contagious and less deadly as time goes on. So maybe that's a silver lining. I mean, that's why I, from what I've read, why we have something like, and I was surprised by this, we have something like 200 different cold viruses. 200. They're not all the same. And that's because they mutate. Um, We can also talk about this Great Reset. I haven't had a chance really to do this with you on open lines. I've had guests come on and talk about the Great Reset. And the Great Reset has been sort of inextricably linked with COVID. And why is that? Well, there was a book written about this very subject by a German engineer, economist by the name of Klaus Schwab, the founder of the World Economic Forum. Maybe you've heard about about it, where all these uh, billionaires uh, get together in Davos, Switzerland. And um, I guess it's kind of a think tank. Maybe not as exclusive or secretive as the Bilderbergs uh, meeting every year. Uh, But Klaus Schwab wrote a book which came out remarkably fast, something like four months after about half the world was in lockdown at this point in the spring, early summer of this year. And out comes this book, COVID-19 and The Great Reset, in which Chairman Schwab outlined his vision of reimagining Not only capitalism, but just about everything in the world. And how COVID-19, this may sound familiar, you've heard these words echoed by our own boy king, prime minister, how COVID represents a unique and narrow window of opportunity to reimagine the world. And then the the details get rather vague after that, of course, uh, not surprisingly. So, we can talk about the Great Reset and what that might mean. Are you fearful? I'd like to know what you think it means. And that's just for starters. Those are just a few logs we will throw on the proverbial fire here. Open lines for the duration. And the numbers to call, 416-360-0740. 0740 in the GTA, the Greater Toronto Area. And if you're outside the GTA, 
you can call toll-free from just about anywhere, I'm told. 1-866-740-4740. And let me take this opportunity to uh, also mention Carlos Cagina, my uh, technical producer, and Wy- uh, Ryan White, the live stream producer. And we are live streaming on uh, my YouTube channel tonight, Strange Planet. Uh, but Carlos and Ryan, um, a belated Merry Christmas to you both, and my best wishes for a uh, a joyous, hopeful, healthy, prosperous uh, New Year's. Carlos and uh, Ryan um, do so much for me, and I'm so appreciative, and uh, I don't uh, tell them that nearly enough, but uh, besides, they're just a terrific, two terrific gentlemen to hang out with, and I'm, I'm glad uh, to to have them on the program with me. All right, let me uh, give those numbers one more time, and then we'll get this uh, this ship launched. 416-360-0740 in the greater Toronto area, toll-free from out of town, 1-866-740-4740. 1-866-740-4740. All right, uh, let's begin with Aaron in the Show Me State, Missouri. Aaron, welcome. How are you, my friend? I'm doing well. Thank you for taking my call, sir. What part of Missouri are you from? Uh, the southwest corner. All right. And um, what, what is the situation, uh, Aaron, down in the southwest corner of Missouri in terms of uh, you know, lockdown or pandemic measures? Are, are you restricted well, in any way? We didn't have... We didn't have crazy lockdowns like the, you know, the, the coasts. Um, but we did have, you know, people very concerned about it. Uh, what I've noticed here recently, even in the last couple of weeks, um, you know, when I would go to the grocery store or the, you know, the local big box store, I mean, uh, if you didn't have a mask on, you look like you had uh, three heads. And now there's, I think it's probably 60, 40%, you know, 60% or 60% have a mask on and the other 40% don't. And, uh, it, it kind of warms my heart a little bit, to be honest with you. So, <laughs> uh, so Aaron, you're saying in stores, inside now, uh, people mm-hmm. are 40%, according to your sort of anecdotal, observations 40 percent of people now go into stores without masks now when they do that definitely over a third richard okay that's interesting now when they do that what is the response from store the shopkeepers the employees and then other customers well there's a lot of uh nodding and uh hey it's nice to see another human being (laughs) but however you know if you uh if you push your cart a little too close to somebody that's wearing a mask and you're not wearing one, there's always kind of the, uh, uh, please don't, uh, give me the, you know, don't turn me into a zombie. You'll have that. Right, right. <laughs> but, uh, there are 40, at least 40% of people that are kind of like just sick of this nonsense. Right. And that goes, I think, along with the, you know, the election nonsense. And I, I, that's not why I called and I don't want to get into that. Or it, well, we can get into it if you want, but you know what I mean? I think people are just over this nonsense. Right. There, there, that is what happens when there is a fatigue factor, definitely, that sets in. And there's something else that I, 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 um, 
in, in some ways I'm happy to see. And that is a recognition of people that, um, th- there has to be a consent on the, from the people, uh, to be governed. And we, we, um, we hire these public officials, public servants, uh, the ones that are elected anyway that, and, and are accountable. Uh, they are supposed to act as our agents and we are supposed to be the principals. And, and if they, if this fatigue sets in and distrust sets in and there's, God knows there's a lot of that and justifiably so, then they, the, the agents lose the support of the, uh, the principals, uh, and they, they begin to lose the consent. And, um, that's how democracy is supposed to work. That's well, a good I, thing. I, I really believe that. I think they are going to start ramp up the uh, the campaign to dis disenhearten people. Right. That's what I think is going to happen. Well, well fear uh, fear that, is a. Term- uh, I think that the the easy consent is over, and now they're going to start really start to disenfranchise people, dishearten them, and almost kind of force their will upon people. Well, when that happens, then the agents cease to be agents, and they become the principals, and then yes, and then we're in all we're all in trouble. Listen, I'm not saying that we we oh, shouldn't goodness, be vigilant. I'm not saying I want that to happen, right? <laughs> no, no, no. I'm, I'm not saying that we shouldn't be vigilant, and I'm not saying that 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 the the pandemic is something to be you know trifled with. But there has to be a ba- there has that. to be a balance, and and what I am seeing is. The, the measures that have been taken, the way that they have been implemented, amounts, as far as I'm concerned, to a catastrophic failure. And uh, the damage that has been done, some of it may be um, permanent, economically, I agree. emotionally, totally. psychologically. Um, there has been a tremendous imbalance in the way this has been implemented. And I've said this many times, I'll say it again, Aaron, and that is that a free people... One of the hallmarks of Western democracy, which is the light of the world, which is why millions of people flood to the West, is because... The last flickering life in the darkness, that's it. Yes, yes. It's it's so horrible, except that everybody wants to come to the West, to (laughs) Canada and the United States. Uh, But a free people are best suited to manage their own risk. We have to be allowed to manage our own risk. And that message has to get to to our agents. They work for us. And once they start thinking, and a lot of them are, this arrogance and this smugness, that that they are unaccountable and that, that they are the principals and we are the agents, we must send a clear message. I don't know exactly how that is to be done, except perhaps by 40% of people in Missouri refusing to wear a mask. I agree. You know, uh, I think I think this is not the time to lose hope. I think this is the time to embrace hope. I agree with you. What are the numbers like, Aaron, in terms of uh, we keep hearing about cases? I'm, I'm not interested in cases. I'm interested in infections and hospitalizations and deaths. Those are the numbers that we need to look at, not cases. Well, I can give you an a- anecdotal uh, example. Uh, almost all of my family and my friends work in the healthcare industry, um, right down the road from where I live. 
There's nobody there. Nobody in the hospitals? Well, I mean, there's people in the hospital, but they're not for that. And the people that are, are in the hospitals aren't... Um, well, I'll, I'll tell you, the, the senior nurse that works over a very close relative of mine, uh, I'll, I'll just say it, my uh, my young cousin, they are absolutely positive they would be much quicker to uh, recover from this at home. Uh, you know, I don't know if you've ever been to the hospital before. I have a couple times. You don't get better in the hospital. <laughs> you want out of there. You can't stand it. You're crawling the walls. People are poking you every five seconds. You would be way better at home. And that's what they're telling me. Uh, and But, however, there is a financial uh, benefit to have people in the hospital, and that comes right from the dole from the federal government. Right. $13,000. I know that's a fact. Yes, I, I agree. $13,000 instead of 4000 from Medicare to a, to a hospital if there's a COVID true. diagnosis. So they have incentivized diagnosing people with with covid 13,000 yes, instead sir. of 4,000 and if they end up on a uh, on a ventilator it's 32,000 i believe but that's per week sir so the longer you stay in there that uh, that extrapolates right right yeah and then to me by incentivizing it you're making it uh rife for for corruption and well, and yeah, for you, padding you the numbers the it's results. just human nature it's human results. nature Absolutely. Aaron, thank you so much for the call, and thanks for thank you, checking in from Missouri. All right. Happy New Year. You too. Uh, let's say hi to Martin. Oh, uh, yeah, we have we have time for Martin. Let's uh, work Martin in here from Toronto. Martin? Yeah, good evening, Richard. Hi there. Uh, I, I, ha- I would like to speak about the shutdown again, and I would like to uh, throw a few numbers, just generally and ballpark numbers. Uh, uh, the small business uh, in Canada represents about two, uh, no, actually 55% of two-thirds of all the business. So one-third is public sector, two-thirds are private sector, which is feeding this uh, this, uh, pri- this uh, public sector with, uh, with their taxes, with their sweat, right? Yes. Okay. So of those two-thirds of the private business, about 55% of all uh, Canadian economy is actually fueled by small business. So small business is a backbone of Canadian economy. No questions asked. Everybody knows that. 100%. Now, how can anybody take up on their shoulder to shut down, to break, to break this backbone of Canadian economy? You know what? When I first, I was voting, by the way, for uh, Doug Ford, okay, and conservatives. Now, listen to me. When... Doug Ford, with his own words, said that it would be logistical nightmare to cordon all certain sections of Walmart, or, or he lost me. Because we are not stupid. We are purchasing in those stores. We have been there. We saw when they are reorganized in certain sections of their store, they just cordon it over the yellow tape. Nobody bothers to go there. So when he, as a premier of 40.5 million people, is trying to tell the people it will be a logistical nightmare to cordon certain sections, he lost me. And you know what? If I had that power, I would just kick his behind out of that seat out there and replace him with somebody who would be more sensitive. Now, secondly, why is Canadian Federation of Independent Business begging these officials, please don't shut us down. They should be threatening and dictating to these officials what's going to happen. Not to beg them, please don't kick us hard into our behind. No, they should say, no, sir, you are not going to do this to us. 
and we are going to be standing up, and this will be the civil disobedience or more small revolution, okay? And we are not going to close our doors. We are going to be safe. You can come. You can check us up. If we are breaking any rules, we are going to be fined. That's okay. But we are going to do it safe way. And we see the numbers going up. And nobody tried to reverse it. Okay, let's shut down those big box stores, okay, and let's open all the small business, and let's see if the numbers will change. On the top, I would like to mention one point. People are keeping dying in government-run long-term care houses while we have all these shutdowns. Now, like, how can I trust these kind of uh, administrators which are trying to play our rulers and dictators, according to my accent, you can probably tell where I came from. And I was actually fleeing from communism at that time. And I can see it's a big time communist rule or dictatorship rule moving into, into these shores of North America. And I'm warning people, people, wake up. You can see it firsthand now, what can it cause? They simply, their words can shut down their lives. Their words over the speakers, over the media, can actually make you to, to, to lose your livelihood, to lose your roof over your head. No way! Martin? I'm really calling for disobedience, and I'm calling for small revolution, because this is beyond... Well, we have to be beyond. careful. We're not, we don't want violence... We no. want, yes, uh, civil disobedience is, is one thing, and that is an, uh, an honorable, um, there, there is an honorable tradition to civil disobedience. And when, when laws and regulations are immoral, uh, then it must be met with civil disobedience. But I'm a little, uh, I think we have to be careful about throwing words around like revolution. Um, you don't want to go down that road because that's, Rather than um, you know, blow a whistle and say everybody get out of the out of the pool. That's civil disobedience. Revolution is burn the house down. You don't want to go there. All right, we don't want to. We don't. We we don't want to do that. But Martin, I hear your frustration. I agree with with most of what you've said, and um, it gets back to what I was saying earlier: the principles versus the agents. We're the bosses. We're the uh, principles. They're the agents. They're there at our favor and pleasure. They serve at our pleasure, not the other way around. And they need to get that message. All right, back with uh, more of your calls. Open lines, pillar to post, right here on The Conspiracy Show. My name is Richard Serrett. Stay with us. Where there's smoke, there's The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. Open lines. For the entire duration and our last uh, program for 2020. And we will be back, of course, in early January. And I suspect that we'll be talking about this for some time to come. Uh, let me ask you this as well. As the uh, the lines continue to to, um, to fill up, if you have a line, hold on. And uh, as uh, keep trying. If you're calling and the, the lines are busy, as people drop off, lines will become available. 416-360-0740 in the greater Toronto area. Toll free from out of town, one 740 Do you trust the numbers? They're, they're, they are delivered to us every day by the mainstream media, and we hear about cases, 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 cases. 
and cases are recited like this mantra as if, and I understand, uh, you know, the fear that is generated and how fear is a tremendous tool to control. But cases are not infections. I'm not, I'm, I'm not an immunologist. I'm not a virologist. I know that. But you don't need to be to understand that cases are not infections. A positive case is not necessarily an infection. We're all familiar with the, the, um, the, the false positives that are occurring. And, and many, many doctors and public health officials have talked about the false positives and why that occurs and why the PCR test was not designed necessarily to be used the way that it's being used. So you have false positives. Is it 40%? Is it 50%? Is it 90%? I don't know. But cases are not infections. And yet that's all we hear about. And then we hear, for example, and this is just a small part of it, but it's, it's significant, I believe. We're, we're told that things like suicides are being included in the death tally. And we have to be careful, obviously, when we're throwing around numbers every day is all we hear is numbers. There are human beings attached to these numbers. But what is the thinking when you're including people who take their own lives as a death from COVID? What other things are being rolled into the COVID column? I'm not the first person, obviously, that's pointed this out, but we're in the midst of flu season. Where are the flus? And all the other upper respiratory ailments, particularly the flus. You've seen the headlines, people saying, where are the heart attacks? Are these numbers being rolled into the COVID column? A member of the the COVID task force, the White House task force, I mean, I believe her name is Dr. Bricks, or Burks, told us back in April that they are going to tally in a very liberal manner the COVID deaths. And she said, that we will count people who die with COVID as a COVID death. If you die with it, that will be included in the tally. So what is the actual number of people who have died from COVID and nothing else? Do we know? No, we don't. No, we don't. Can we trust these numbers? Can we trust this data? I'm asking a question. That's allowed. Why? aren't the mainstream media pushing back? And why do we only hear from this pre-approved list of experts and anyone who does not fall in line with a particular narrative are kicked off social media, they're not allowed on the air, You never hear from them again. Don't you find that odd? Don't you find that disturbing? You should. 
Uh, let's say hi to, uh, we have Chad in California. Chad, welcome. Hello. Hi there. Hi, Richard. How are you, man? I'm well. Happy New Year. Yo, happy, happy New Year to you. Happy Christmas as well and everybody else. It's so, uh, it's so good to talk to you. I've been listening to you for a long time and uh, this is a, I just so happen to be, um, catch you right now doing, uh, doing this live show. So I'm really, I'm really excited to be able to talk to you. Glad to have you aboard. I, um, I just wanted to talk about, um, so I, to take you back off what you were saying about people, um, about doesn't think, don't think things strange to people. It's like, I don't understand sometimes how we're living in these different, different places, but we're at the, we're on the same place. It's like, if any, if this was going on any other time, like where people were getting kicked off social media, I've been kicked off Twitter, uh, three different times, uh, three different accounts that I've had. And to the point it's like, you know, I have, I have my, I have a main account, but then I tweeted another, I had another one where, you know, I would tweet from. And all three of them got, have gotten kicked off uh, social media for, you know, for spreading disinformation or, they say, you know, for spreading hate speech when it's clearly, like, I'll, I'll be teamed up on by, like, ten different people. And, um, you know, and they'll say that I'm spreading hate speech. Even um, Patricia Arquette even uh, was one of those people one time. Uh, yeah, so. But um, it's crazy that everybody can see the same thing going on. And then it's like but nobody is. Everybody ignores it because it's uh, it's on a different side. I just, I really don't get it. You know, it's just crazy to me. It is surreal what we're living through. It almost seems, it, 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 I guess it's created kind of a cognitive dissonance. And we're, there's something in, in human nature called normalcy bias. And I think that's part of what's happening right now, that we see the, the censorship. Uh, we see the mainstream media carrying water for one particular side uh, where it has almost become, in many ways, it, it, it has become like the Soviet Union or Venezuela where you have a, an, an official state-run media. We are seeing that now. They are all reading from the same script. It's like they all get their talking points at 4 a.m. They're all using the same language. And they are all marching in lockstep, using the same language, um, pushing the same narrative, and no dissent is allowed. This is this is unheard of in a in a in in a, in a Western democracy. And people should be not only should they be up in arms. Uh, I mean, I I I I am sickened by what is happening in the mainstream media. The, uh, the the censorship and and the pushing of a particular narrative and only referring to a pre-approved list of experts and and and, and a, an entire abdication of their responsibility in the fourth estate to challenge and to question and not not an, a modicum of intellectual curiosity do I see or hear or read in the mainstream media and. Uh, Again, it's 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 disheartening, and um, I don't know. Once we get to the other side of this, this is this, it raises another good question. And Chad, thank you very much for the call. Uh, have you given up on the mainstream media? And if if you have, where now are you going for your news? So, for example, have you maybe you you used to watch Fox until election night, and then. After they called Arizona very early, maybe you, that was enough. That was the straw. And so now you're watching Newsmax or here in Canada, 
Have you given up on the mainstream media? Have you, have you, do you now get your news from True North or Rebel News or on social media, people like Spencer Fernando? Uh, let's see, who do we have? We, do we have time for another call here, Carlos? No. Okay. Well, we're kind of caught betwixt and between, aren't we? What do we have? Like a minute? All right. I tell you what. We'll um, we'll take a quick time out. We'll come back. We'll get to uh, Robert in Buffalo. And we have uh, Lynn in St. Catherine. Steve also in Buffalo. 416-360-0740. Much to discuss. Toll free. one 4740 There is the lockdown. There is the aftermath of the U.S. election. There is the Great Reset. There is the state of the mainstream media, the state of Western democracy. Back with more in a moment. My name is Richard Serrett. Don't go away. Big Brother is listening, and so are you, to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. To speak with Richard, call 416-360-0740 or toll free 1-866-740-4740. Welcome back. Uh, Let me say hi to Robert in Buffalo. Hey, Robert, welcome to The Conspiracy Show. Hey, Richard Serrett, thank you very much. Uh, I I have three, maybe four points that I want to get out, but first I do want to say thank you for... uh, what I, I see is your intelligence, the way you uh, have a sensibility to what's up uh, on the nights that you come on. I really do appreciate it. And you, and thank you for giving us this airtime here. And, and what we're saying is what we're saying. It's not Richard saying it or the people there at the, uh, at the station. But thank you very much, sir. Thank you. Um, since November 3rd, I have been, my sister called it being in a funk. And I think I she knows what she, uh, what she means. She thinks like I do. My brother, similarly. Um, a lot of us have been discouraged by things that have happened down here in America. I'm speaking as a person in, in Buffalo. And uh, I, yes, as, as far as the media goes, I have shut off uh, NBC, which I used to watch the nightly news, you know, kind of like a robot every night. And I, I shut them off since November 3rd. And uh, I hope they go bankrupt. You know, that's how I feel about it. But a, a, a couple points. Um, a lot of us are very discouraged by it. And I've been riding a roller coaster since November 3rd. I'd see things that would be uh, encouraging to the uh, position of Trump to be uh, confirmed in the presidency, and then I'd be dropped down the next morning. And it's been a tense time, Richard, and uh, I want to say these three things. I say that President Trump, by uh, by reason of his uh, election in 2016 and his subsequent inauguration and oath of office, I think he is bound by an oath not to allow communism into our country. Um, I believe he is already bound and authorized to uh, make sure that uh, uh, pre- to preserve and protect the, uh, the, uh, the Constitution of the United States, preserve, protect it, and defend it from all enemies, domestic and foreign. And we're seeing an assault of not only domestic enemies in our country down here south of your border, but we're seeing a coalition, I believe, of uh, communist nations from Europe and uh, maybe the man up there and the uh, prime minister up in Canada, you know, where they, they want to, I think, d- uh, destroy America and use the wealth to build their alliance of nations. And I think that's the, the unspoken uh, purpose of all this. So I believe that Trump 
uh, is already authorized and bound uh, not to allow communism. I say communism is not on the table for America. Number two, I've been looking to, and I, I intend to hopefully go down to uh, Washington, whether it's January 6th. Um, maybe I'd like to go to Georgia, but I don't know if I'd be able to get there. And uh, just show some body support for President Trump. I think he's a great man who loves the country, and he needs us now, and he's willing to fight. And how rare this is that we got someone that will stand up to the media, turns him back, shakes him up, and we need him. We could have communist troops in our country within four years. We, can't, we cannot wait, I believe, Richard, to correct this colossal fraud that happened on the night of November 3rd into, into November 4th. We can't wait. It has to be corrected now, and I hope the, um, the electors or the people that are possible electors will do what is, is, is laid out in the Constitution. They can vote as they judge uh, fair and equitable for what they saw and um, give a vote for Trump, and I hope that's going to happen. And one final point, uh, Richard, is uh, these, these circumstances – and the uh, the state we're in right now in America is the reason why we have down here south of the border the Second Amendment. And this is this is our position. You know, th I think these reasons and these circumstances are uh, are why we have a Second Amendment. And I hope people start erecting their their uh, their spines and and, and 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 collect their hearts and go for it here and uh, correct this. This, this, uh, we can't live a lie and say that uh, Biden has won. You know, it, it, I don't think we could take it down here. Well, so let me ask you, Robert. Let's come together and do it. And thank you for letting me say those things. My pleasure, is, Robert. Let me I ask love, you though. Uh, I love your uh, the way you run the show. I, I appreciate it. But Robert, before you go, let me ask you a couple of questions. If let's say, and and you're you're you were referring to the state legislatures because they have the the uh, I believe they call it the plenary power. They have the ability to to seat their own electors. This is an indirect democracy in the United States. It's not direct democracy. So the, ultimately, the state legislators in the, the swing states where the fraud allegedly took place, and, and let me say on the record, I, I, I have sat through probably close to three and a half hours of uh, testimony. I've, I've uh, you know, read a lot. Uh, there are something like 50,000 now affidavits that have been, these are sworn testimonies. 50,000. Um, I believe there was fraud, massive fraud, systemic, orchestrated fraud. Uh, and I, it, 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 I'm not saying that it's necessarily unique to this election. Maybe, you know, we could go back and revisit other elections. However, it did take place in this election, I believe, based on the evidence that I have seen. So if the, the swing states of Georgia, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, Arizona, pick three of those would, would be enough if those electors were, uh, or the elections there were decertified by the state legislators. They'd have to be reversed, overturned, because they've already been certified. And, Let's say it meant that both Biden and Trump ended up with 269 delegates. It gets flipped to the House, and then they must vote according to state delegations, which means the Republicans would win, Trump would win. If it doesn't happen that way, if those swing states do not overturn the result, and Joe Biden is set to be sworn in, what do you want 
Trump to do? Do you want him to step down? Do you want a peaceful transmission of tra- transfer of power? What do you expect or want him to do? Well, I think he's already shown so much patience over the last four years and in the course of this uh, since since election night. Um, so I would hope they would come to an agreement for yes, I would have uh, a revote in those questionable states. Um, but this time overseen with uh, soldiers or marshals to make sure, you know, we're not going to have any of it. We, we can't let this ruin our, our credibility for the elections in the United States. You know, it's just too much. It's, it's, it, it, it's just un, unthinkable. Um, so I, I would, I would have that they could do it again. Um, unless they just, you know, but I think they have the authority, like they say, the plenary power, they can actually say that I've, I got the copy of the constitution out since listening to men like Mark Levin and stuff. And uh, so I've read, uh, as he says, article two, um, uh, section one, I think, uh, the, the second paragraph would addresses, uh, about the electors in the various states. Yes. They can vote for Trump if they judge it that way. And so I hope, you know, as Americans and everything else, they will just either either do that or if they want to have another vote, we don't have to get this done by January 20th or not. There was a time in 1875, as far as I know, people said when Rutherford Hayes was elected from, uh, I think it was Ohio, and he was running against the governor from New York. It went on into April, I believe. Um, it's been happening before. There are other electors that have voted uh Maybe it was Thomas Jefferson, I heard. So, he became president, um, yes, know, because of... We can get this right, yes. and I think we have to. What, what do I want uh, uh, Trump to do if, if everything is exhausted and they don't... They don't like, I'm very disappointed with the Supreme Court. Um, and, and if they don't do what's seemingly just here, then I hope all options are open to Trump. And I back him, and I would uh, get my musket, you know, and join his auxiliary army and uh, help all those men in our beloved military that keep and take their oath seriously, and we would be an auxiliary force, and uh, I would do it. All right, Robert. I think this is so important. Thank you so much for the call. Happy New Year. Uh, well, there you go. The spirit of 1776. How, how widespread is that? How many of these 76-plus million that voted for Trump uh, are, are feel like-minded? with Robert, or simpatico with Robert. Uh, more of your calls in a moment. The uh, Conspiracy Show returns right after this. PIN numbers, passcodes, social insurance numbers. If they make you wonder how private they are, here's two more numbers. 416-360-0740 or toll-free at 1-866-740-4740. Welcome back. Um, I, I want to play this uh, this uh, clip before the uh, the top of the hour. Uh, so, Carlos, get ready. It's um, this was on uh, YouTube for a while. I, I don't know if it was taken down or not, but it is uh, Bobby Kennedy Jr. Of course, the son of the late senator Robert F. Kennedy. Uh, Bobby's a lawyer and an environmentalist and an activist and uh, an anti-vaxer, and I don't always see eye to eye with with what. Bobby Kennedy Jr. has to say. Uh, he's now 66 years old. He seems to be quite frail in, in ailing health. I believe he had he suffered from hepatitis. Uh, you'll notice his voice is um, he uh, it kind of breaks up and it's uh, it's a very weak uh, voice. But it's this is a very impassioned statement 
uh, it runs just over two minutes, but I, I, I want to get your reaction to this probably going on into the next hour as we continue along with open lines. And this is Bobby Kennedy Jr. I'm not sure if this was uh, an interview that he did with um, a well-known actor whose name escapes me <laughs> uh, that has a, a, a YouTube show. But uh, let's have a listen to Bobby Kennedy speaking about the, uh, the, the, the lockdown and uh, vaccinations and so forth. We are at an inflection point, I believe, in human history. The largest and most critical inflection point that human, humanity has ever encountered. For many years, totalitarian and authoritarian states have used the power of fear to engineer compliance in populations. I grew up understanding what happened in World War II in our country and during the Nuremberg trials, Hermann Goering was asked by the prosecutor, how did you make the German people comply? And Goering said, it's not just Germany. This works in any country, whether it's a fascist country or a communist country or a monarchy or a democracy. All the rulers need to do is to tell people that there's something they need to be fearful of. To point a finger at that source of their fear. And you can make human beings do anything you want. You can make them go to slaughter like sheep. You can make them obey. Well, the biosecurity agenda that people like Bill Gates and Anthony Fauci and Davos and all of these people who are running now the global economy, they have understood for years that they have a power that no totalitarian government has ever had available to it. But now they have a source of fear that is the most pervasive and all-encompassing power that they've ever had, which is the fear of pandemics. Governments love pandemics the same way that they love wars, because it gives them power, it gives them, the, it gives them control, and it gives them the capacity to, to impose obedience on human beings. And today we have an inflection of new technologies that give governments the capacity to impose controls on populations that have never been imagined before in human history by any tyrant in history. Bobby Kennedy Jr. Governments love pandemics, he said. Governments love pandemics. What do you think of that? Do you think there's some truth to that? I think there is a kernel of truth there. I'm not saying all government officials welcomed the pandemic. I think a vital takeaway from all this, once we get on the other side, and whatever, I'm not going to use the word or the term new normal. I detest that. I want the old normal. Thank you very much. I liked the old normal. And I intend to live the old normal as much as possible. But one of the takeaways must be that we can never cede this kind of power and authority to our agents, our public servants, the people who work for us ever again. I hope that we have finally learned the lesson. 
that a naive trust in authority is dangerous. There must be a reckoning after this. For this calamitous failure, Robert Kennedy mentioned, Bobby Kennedy Jr. mentioned, governments love pandemics and governments love wars. Some politicians no doubt do. You know the old saying, power corrupts, absolute power corrupts, absolutely. And some people are attracted to so-called public service because they love power. This is no longer about left and right, liberal, conservative, Democrat, Republican. This is about big and small. Big corporations, big tech versus small businesses. You and me. Big versus small. Let's say hi to uh, Lynn in St. Catharines. Lynn, welcome to The Conspiracy Show. Hello there. It's nice to talk to you when you're not on at 1 a.m. <laughs> because I know I could never get through to you that way. Oh, on the other show. You're talking yeah, about the other we just show. just won't mention it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't mind. I take it you're in your little office down under the stairs. You know what? I'm actually in a Zoomerplex tonight. I wanted to come in and see my technical producer, Carlo, and spread a little Christmas cheer. And uh, and um, so I'm I'm in uh, the radio station. Well, that's scary. <laughs> Not at all. But uh, no, this COVID thing. Yes, there is a grain of truth, a grain of sand of truth. I think in what your clip said. But then you get everybody that's going to just magnify it by a billion, which means we're still going to be stuck out in space somewhere. How do you mean? Well, magnify it. Yeah, I think that, uh, no, okay, we'll go with Trudeau. I think Premier Jesse Trudrip there, he dragged his feet, sat on his butt, and he waited a little too long before he got the mojo going. You can tell I'm not a liberal. <laughs> he finally got it going, okay, but he waited a while. And now with this lockdown, Doug Ford dragged his butt too. He should have had it done before Christmas. I'm looking right here in my own St. Catherine Standard. And when you see the, the a headline that says, Delay of Provincial Lockdown Concerns Dr. Hergy, he is our acting head of the health here. Every day, at least three times a day, he comes on to talk to our different guys on our, my local station here. So I'm kept up to date. I don't have cable or Internet or none of that stuff. My newspaper and my radio, that's what I got. And... As far as the numbers go, I've never believed them after May the 1st. Okay, so when you say they should have got going, what do you mean? They should have locked down? Yeah, they should. This waiting till Boxing Day was no good. Our numbers down here are horrendous. What do you mean your numbers are horrendous? You mean your cases? Yeah, they're what horrendous. Is that? Okay, what does that mean? To me, it scares the crap out of me because exactly. I don't go outside, I go nowhere. Yes, but what do you mean the numbers? Are we talking about cases? All of it. Well, you, yes, but you see, herein okay, lies the problem. Cases. Don't they, mind me. I have to take the eyes off. They're not my readers. <laughs> okay. But cases. Cases, Lynn. What does that mean? It means people that have tested positive on a test. Okay. How many of those? And, and this is, again, the failing of the media. They don't, they don't push back. They don't ask questions. They don't demonstrate an ounce of intellectual curiosity. How many of those cases are infections? They're not all infections. 
What about how many of them are false positives? How many of them are asymptomatic? How many of them have resulted in hospitalizations? That's what we need to know. Cases tell us nothing. Don't we, I mean, this is the, this is what they're, they're counting on. I believe some of them, many of them perhaps. They want us to be afraid of the cases. How many of those cases are false positives? Are they, are there 50% false? Are there 10%? Are there 90%? We don't know because they won't tell us. Cases mean nothing unless we have context. Thank you for the call. Uh, let's say hi to, uh, Paul is in Jersey City. Paul, welcome. Oh, hang on. We, Paul, I'm going to get you to hold on. We, uh, we're running up against a break here. Let's, uh, let's reckon order on the other side. The Conspiracy Show continues into Hour 2. Open lines. Stay with us. Live from Toronto, Canada, Earth. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett on Zoomer Radio. Hey, thanks for inviting me into your home. Long-haul truck, RV camper, taxi. Your parents' well-appointed basement with the simulated wood paneling, electric fireplace, and the painting of dogs playing poker. Your loft, that greasy spoon just off the interstate, and your cabin in the woods. Hello to everyone listening in on our flagship station, AM 740, 96.7 FM, Zuma Radio, here in Toronto. Hiya to those of you tuning in on one of our affiliate stations across North America. Howdy to those of you streaming us. Live at zoomerradio.ca, the Zoomer Radio app, and the YouTube channel Strange Planet. And uh, last but not least, everyone uh, who has assembled in the YouTube live chat. And just a, a quick um, aside to Ryan White, our live stream producer. If you want to pass along some questions and comments from the YouTube live chat, uh, probably the best would be to send those to me by email, Ryan. And uh, I'll try to get those uh, answered or um, give them a mention on air. Again, if you're in the live stream and you have a question or a comment, Ryan will uh, will email those to me. So again, uh, open lines this hour. The numbers to call. In the uh, greater Toronto area, the GTA, 416-360-0740. 416-360-0740 and toll-free from just about anywhere. And when I say anywhere, it's been a while since I've mentioned this, and I think it bears repeating how powerful a station, our flagship station is. AM740 has the largest broadcast footprint of any radio station, I am told, in North America. And at night, because we are, we have a clear channel license, we can boost our transmitter instead of powering down when the sun goes down. And so, Thanks to a little bit of atmospheric skip once in a while, I suppose that her, that helps. But we are heard uh, through much of Ontario, parts of Quebec, parts of Manitoba, from Maine to Minnesota, and all the way down to the Carolinas. It's a powerful, powerful blowtorch of a station. Uh, so if you are outside of the... Um, the listening area, and you're listening on the live stream, the zoomerradio.ca uh, or the the app, which is a free app, by the way. It's a terrific app, so easy to use, so elegant 
in its simplicity, Zoomer Radio, the app, uh, and of course on our YouTube channel, Strange Planet. Uh, I hope you had a blessed and and Merry Christmas, probably again, not the one you'd hoped for, given the ongoing lockdown, and we are talking about the lockdown, the reaction to the uh, COVID-19, the measures that have been taken, your thoughts on those, and uh, also the, the uh, aftermath of the U.S. election, which promises to continue into the new year. We are not done yet. There are still court cases. There are um, a number of steps to go. Again, if you're listening to the mainstream media, you probably thought this was pretty much all wrapped up after November the 3rd. Far from it. I don't, I don't have a crystal ball. Uh, I don't know how to read tea leaves. Uh, but I can tell you it's not over. There are still a number of steps to go. And President Trump is uh, not going to concede. And January 6th really is the next big important date. January 6th. That's when, officially, the Electoral College votes will be certified in the House and the Senate. Then, if that happens, Joe Biden will become president-elect. I don't think the Constitution actually specifically mentions a president-elect. It's sort of been tradition that he, the, the, the candidate who wins on election night is sort of declared president-elect. But according to people like Alan Dershowitz, who I think knows the Constitution pretty well, he says, no, January 6th, really, is when you could declare Joe Biden president-elect, if that happens. And I say if because, as I say, there are a number of processes still working their way through, Supreme Court challenges, they are now, they may have completed this. I haven't seen the results. I'll, I'll uh, try and check in. But uh, in the state of Georgia, they are auditing the signatures yet again. There is talk in places like Arizona, which is controlled, the state legislature is controlled by the Republicans. And in Wisconsin, controlled by the Republicans. And in Georgia, re- controlled by the Republicans, uh, that those state legislators might take back their control, their plenary power, and seat their own electors. Or, at the very least, turn the election, overturn the results of the election because of alleged fraud. In Arizona, for example, anywhere from 55,000 to 200,000 illegal aliens may have voted. And that number comes, incidentally, from a um, a group, an, uh, an immigrant advocacy group that have suggested that maybe as many as 200,000 or as, as few as 50,000 illegal immigrants voted. If that is the case, and half of them, a third of them, 10% of them voted for Joe Biden, that would overturn the results of the election in Arizona. That's electoral col- 11 electoral college votes. Uh, I'm not going to hear and uh, sort of relitigate the, the whole case. If you've been following this as I have, though, you, you, you would see or you would understand the, that in each state there are um, at least allegations, and I think with some merit, 
that there was widespread fraud. Uh, again, probably probably not unique to this election. All right. Uh, We've been talking about the lockdown if, and how you feel about the uh, the measures that have been taken locally, provincially, across the country. If you're listening in the U.S., I'd like to get your take on, on that. Again, I, I believe the, the measures taken thus far amount to a catastrophic failure. And uh, the damage to tens of thousands, perhaps hundreds of thousands of small businesses. And people will often respond and say, well, how can you... How can you compare the loss of a business to a human life? Well, we do that every day. Every time you get into a car, you are taking a risk. We have to, if we're going to function in society and have an economy, we have to manage risk. We do it every day, all the time. And having said that, when you destroy a business, you are destroying lives. In many cases, people that have poured their entire life savings, they have, they have toiled and sweat and bled for decades. Some of these are family-run businesses that have, that have been in existence for generations. And to see those destroyed, you are, in many cases, destroying lives. To say nothing of the forced isolation, inhuman isolation of the elderly and the infirmed. The psychological damage, the collateral damage from the lockdown, I believe far outweighs the actual, the damage from the disease itself, as bad as it is. Again, I'm not saying that COVID-19 is not real. I'm not saying that. I'm saying a free people must be allowed to manage their own risk. All right, back to the phones we go. And uh, let's say hi to uh, Paul in Jersey City. Paul, welcome. Well, hello, mon frère Canadien Richard. Hello, my brother Canadian. Um, I um, I really wanted to talk about the uh, the methods of the election um, more than anything else. Uh, I, I could comment also on the lockdown because my father was a grown man in 1918 and also a soldier in World War One. So he had a vivid memory of that pandemic and. I am not saying everything that was done, but much of what was done was the right thing to do. And uh, about the uh, about the election, it seems that everybody is talking about um, uh, uh, possible fraud. Uh, you mentioned the possibility of uh, people voting illegally, and yes, that possibility certainly exists. Uh, my question is this. Why are we using methods of the 18th century in the 21st century? And by that I mean, as an example, uh, the uh, Electoral College. Now, in the 18th century, do you, do you know how long it would take you to go, well, let's, let's say in the GTA, going from Thornhill or Scarborough or North York to Eaton 
Center in Toronto. Now, or, or right where you are now at the uh, studios of uh, uh, CFZM, right, which I think is on Jefferson Avenue. It would take you the better part of a day to go there. And that was provided the, the roads were not uh, muddy, uh, that there even was a road that you could use. Uh, now, this is the 21st century now. Why do we need electors? Why do we need one particular day for election where people in a small town, isolated from most of the country, could sit and by hand count the votes? This is, a, this is now the 21st century. This should be reformed. Well, you're, you're t- I'm not sure. You, you, you kind of, it seems to me, you're, you're talking about two separate things. If you're talking about the need for an electoral college, uh, to me, it's brilliant to have this indirect democracy. So if you have, are you, are, what are you arguing for? The need for direct, rep- direct vote, one vote, one person for president? Uh, by, in, in other words, popular vote decides the president? Are you, are you arguing against the need for an electoral college? I'm not following. Well, yes, actually I am arguing uh, against the need for the electoral college because that was necessary in the 18th century and earlier when travel was very, very difficult. Well, that's that's only a small part of the reason. That's no, that's only a small part of the reason for the electoral college. If if you if you get do away with the electoral college, and you have the president elected by popular vote, if you're in Kansas, if you're in Wyoming, if you're in New Mexico, your vote does not matter. And the, the, the founding fathers recognize this. If, if, if it's popular vote that decides the president, then candidates will go to Los Angeles, they'll, they'll, they'll campaign in Chicago, they'll campaign in New York, and that's the end of the story. And, uh, forget about, uh, forget about Cheyenne, forget about Madison, uh, or Manhattan, Kansas, uh, forget about Topeka. They, 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 they cease to be relevant. <laughs> Well, that is well. Right now, that is because the electoral college does exist. Maybe had things been different and land divisions made different, uh, it could have. It could certainly. It could certainly change the um, uh, the results of uh, of an election. Uh, I, I'm. I'm just very much opposed to the idea of the Electoral College because, as I said, the purpose of it originally was uh, because of the of the difficulty of travel. Well, that was that was a small part of it. The Founding Fathers also recognized the need uh, for indirect uh, indirect democracy. And uh, without that, again, if it's popular vote, then the hinterlands, what the Dem- Democrats and, and others like to f- refer to as flyover country, become exactly that. You are disenfranchising um, millions of people who live in rural areas, in, in uh, less densely populated areas. Uh, to me, it's, it's um, one of the, uh, the most brilliant pieces of uh, uh, or examples of forethought on the part of the of the founding fathers. And I understand, Paul, thank you for the call. Not everyone is is happy that it works that way. Uh, They would rather see 
popular vote determine the president? Uh, I, I don't agree. I, I think that's a horrible idea uh, for the reasons that I've just outlined. Let's say hi to, uh, is that Susan in Toronto? Susan, good morning. Welcome to The Conspiracy Show. Yes, hi. Hi. Um, I just want to comment on, um, I guess, the, the election results and the fraud. And um, I, I'm just, and I guess the, the, you know, what Trump started calling fake news, we never even thought about fake news before he started calling it that. And it's so shocking to me that we're seeing what we're seeing that, I guess the, you know, the mainstream media, they don't even care anymore that, that you can, that they're so blatant about it, you know, that you can actually see what they're, they're doing. And it's, and I guess the other shocking thing to me is that so many people don't see it. Like they just believe what they see on mainstream media. And, uh, you know, if you talk to them about some of the things that are on the internet and rebel news and, you know, you, you get a reaction that is, oh, that's just, you know, conspiracy stuff. So I'm just curious what your thoughts are on that. And, you know, and, and, and beyond that, I'm, I'm really hoping that the other shocking thing is that, you know, the, the courts in the U.S. and so much of the evidence that has come out is just being dismissed. At least that's what we're being told. Right. Maybe we're not hearing the truth. Well, the, um, you have the, uh, the state Supreme Court. So, for example, in Pennsylvania, they are actually elected. Uh, and mm-hmm. the state Supreme Court in Pennsylvania is, um, I believe it's six to three or five to four Democrat, uh, sitting on the, um, on the, on the Supreme Court in Pennsylvania. Uh, it's, it's six to three Republican, well, I shouldn't say Republican, conservative, originalist, uh, on the, uh, the U.S. Supreme Court, but you have the, the, um, Supreme Court, uh, uh, Justice, um, Roberts, John Roberts, who is kind of flip-flopped and, and, uh, is now sort of, he seems to be a, a, a allied with the, uh, the three more liberal activist, uh, judges. So, uh, there is politics involved. Some people have suggested that John Roberts, um, Justice, Chief Justice Roberts may be compromised. Uh, that name, Roberts, did appear on the, uh, the flight manifest for, um, uh, Epstein, uh, the, uh, the Lolita Express. There have been photographs of Roberts with, uh, Jelaine Maxwell. Some have suggested that those photographs were photoshopped. It's very difficult in this day and age, uh, to determine, you know, what's, what's, what's valid, what's not. So, but some have suggested he's compromised and, and there is also, you know, they're supposed to rule without fear or favor. Well, I think there is a lot of fear happening. I think the Supreme Court would rather not get involved in this election, uh, for fear of what may transpire if the results were overturned. Rioting, widespread rioting and civil unrest. I think they are mindful of that. They shouldn't be. Uh, they should be mindful of it, but they should not allow it to influence them to the point where they're not even interested in hearing the evidence. There's simply a lot of these, these uh, rulings have been procedural. For example, they're saying in the case of the Texas lawsuit, when they were asking the Supreme Court for permission to sue those other swing states because of the way they ran their election, they were told, well, Texas, no, you don't have standing. 
in this case. So the procedural rulings, they're not evidentiary. Uh, if they were to look at the evidence, that would be another matter, I would think. Uh, let's say hi to uh, Steve is in Buffalo. Steve, welcome to The Conspiracy Show. Do we have Steve there? Steve. Uh, Buffalo, are you there? Yes. Hi yes. there. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. Go ahead, Steve. Okay, I think we've lost Steve. Uh, let's say hi to uh, David is in St. Catharines. David, welcome. Hi, how you doing? I'm well, thank you. So I'll talk about conspiracy. I always, I always grew up just because you're paranoid doesn't mean they're not after you. Exactly. I, and I'm thinking about changing the name of the show, quite frankly, because much of what we talk about, uh, or I have well, talked well, about, is becoming increasingly mainstream. <laughs> anyway, I, first of all, I'd like to talk about everybody, all, all, all these Trump people. Well, they, all, they don't realize the first thing he, he tried to make friends with all his communist friends and turn his back on his best friend and put put uh, stuff on our steel, which, if you look into research, all the Trump Towers are made from Chinese steel. So if you want to do some research on that. But anyway... Well, as a business, yes, but being a business person is different from being president of the United States. Well, yeah, but the first thing he did is jump on our steel. <laughs> So anyway, other than other than that, his best friend still, not 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 the other people's skill. But anyway, other than that, I followed politics since, and I'm 72, and I followed followed politics since I was in high school. But anyway, other than that, you know, we're talking about this COVID. And, you know, I read 1984, and a little bit of that. Is probably true, but it's a matter of having respect. If somebody wants you to wear a mask around them, where actually I had to, most people are are are, are good with that. But my sister today walked by an apartment, and the guy was walking out, and she she was just being nice and saying, "Oh, you forgot your mask." And my sister is seventy five. This guy's about 30 and big. I'm not going to say it. <laughs> he started ragging on her like crazy. Well, there's a lot of uncivil you know, discourse on both I sides. Have a little bit of- well, uh, that goes both ways. Yes, I, I agree. I agree. We, we, we need to be civil. Uh, but there's also a very important lesson here, and that is that my freedom does not end where your fear begins. That's important. And we can't lose sight of that. And uh, we can't be made made to feel guilty about that. We have to uh, stand up for that. My freedom does not end where your fear begins. Full stop. End of story. Back with more in a moment. Keeping an eye on the new world order. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrant from Zoomer Radio. To speak with Richard, call 416-360-0740 or toll free 1-866-740-4740. Welcome back. We have a full board of lines. If you have a line, hold on to it. I'll try to work you in as quickly as I can. And um, 
once uh, if you're calling in, getting a busy signal, keep trying. Once a, li- a line uh, drops off, uh, there'll be phone lines available. That's how that works. Uh, now, before I, I have a, some clips here I want to play. Um, before I get to those, I want to uh, go to the YouTube live chat. Uh, and the folks that assemble every week without fail in the YouTube live chat are so uh, loyal and supportive. And I want to acknowledge them, all of them. Uh, and I want to uh, take some other questions. Show me the truth. 74 asks, Richard, what was the best thing that happened to you this year? In your opinion, what was the worst part of this awful year? Uh, the best thing that happened to me, I guess the silver lining in the, uh, the, uh, the lockdown, uh, was that it, um, it caused me to pause and slow down a little bit and uh, take responsibility for my own health. Uh, I, I sort of dedicated myself more to getting healthy. I started uh, something called intermittent fasting, um, taking my supplements. I was uh, you know, walking a lot more. That's kind of gone by the boards with the, the colder weather. I don't do so well in the cold, but I'm going to start that again. Uh, the other the other thing is just, you know, spending, uh, it's just quieting of the mind and slowing things down, spending more time uh, with family. Uh, my boys uh, started high school this year. They're doing some in person. Of course, that has uh, been suspended until January 25th. They were going to high school two days a week in the mornings sometimes three days a week, the rest of the time they're home. Um, so having them home more, being with them is always a plus. And my wife, of course, the mighty Aphrodite, she's working from home. So, uh, you know, we're all breathing the same air and, and just uh, being there for each other. The worst part of this awful year is, is hearing stories uh, about, People who can't hold a dying loved one's hand as they breathe their last. They can't be there. To me, this is just heinous and inhuman and cruel and unnecessary. There are ways to mitigate the risk. Someone is dying, not necessarily from COVID, but if it's COVID or if it's cancer or whatever, the idea that that person is dying I'm sure the, the, the nurses and the doctors are, are kind and loving, but they're not family. To deny someone to have family when they're dying, when they breathe their last, to deny someone from being with a dying relative is unconscionable. Unconscionable. And we, will, we should never forget this, and there must be a reckoning for this. This is a stain on our society. It must never be forgotten and, there, and, and people in power, public health officials, politicians, they must be held accountable for this. A grievous error. It has done incalculable, incalculable harm. That's the worst part. Uh, one more from the chat. Uh, you betcha. Hey, you betcha. Uh, asks what what's with the illogical layout of lockdowns? Why can't we go into a store one or two at a time, but we can go on planes with recycled air? The logic, when you start breaking it down, it falls apart. Let me give you an example, you betcha, and you're absolutely right. I'll give you an example. My, my uh, two boys were, in, uh, were up in Markham. It was a gray, tear 
great tier, right? So there were restrictions. They, they were attending tennis lessons in a bubble, two days a week, two hours. And then more severe lockdown, uh, more severe restrictions came into place. And so they had to cancel the lessons. But they replaced the lessons with tennis camp. Same bubble, two days a week, four hours a week. I'm sorry, one hour, uh, two hours Monday through Thursday. So it was uh, eight hours a week now. They're in tennis camp. The only thing that has changed is it's no longer called a tennis lesson. And that's just one small example. But if you, if you, if you talk to people, everyone has a story like that. Some ridiculous. I'll give you another one. A limit of 10 people in a church. This is another, another huge contentious issue and another stain on our society, denying people the right to worship. Unconscionable. There must be a reckoning. Uh, so you can't have 10 people in a church to worship and pray. But if you're working on a film production and you're shooting a scene inside a church, you can have 30, 40 people in that same church. One is a film production. The other one is an actual liturgy or mass or church service. You see, the, the logic just breaks down because there's no logic underpinning this. They're, in many respects, I think they're making this up as they go along. All right. Uh, let's see if I can get one more in here. George asks, uh, I'm curious if Richard ever worries about being canceled for expressing his views. Well, I've been demonetized uh, on YouTube a number of times. And um, do I worry about it? No, I, I, not anymore. Not anymore. Uh, I, I would see it now, I guess, more as a, a, maybe a badge of honor. It would do me good to suffer a little bit. Suffering is good. It's necessary. So if they want to demonetize or deplatform, um, I mean, I think that's where we're all headed. As a conservative, as a Christian, that's just baked into the equation. Uh, and it's just getting starting, started, folks. It's just getting started. All right. Uh, I do want to play a couple of clips here. Um, earlier on, I was talking about how it is not, I, I won't say I'm surprised by this, but it is disheartening. It is aggravating. It is dangerous. Uh, that we are only allowed to hear from this pre-approved list of so-called experts. And for every expert that they toss, uh, that they bring forward who says that social distancing is the way to go and lockdowns are the way to go and masks are the way to go. And maybe they are. Maybe they are. But I can, I can point to others qualified immunologists, virologists who say the exact opposite, but we're not allowed to hear from them. And uh, if you, if they appear on YouTube, they will be deplatformed. They will be canceled. If you try and retweet their tweets, they will be flagged and so forth. And to me, this is odious and it is wrong. And we have a right as a free people to hear from these people. One such is a Dr. Roger Hodkinson, who spoke at, um, he's from Alberta, He's a pathologist. He does have a background in virology. 
And I believe he also is a, a chair of a, a company in North Carolina that has uh, developed a, uh, a COVID test. And uh, he spoke at uh, a meeting at, in uh, Edmonton at a city hall where they were uh, meeting to talk about, you know, the local uh, lockdown and, and restrictions and so forth. And um, initially his comments went viral and then, of course, they were taken down. And you're not allowed to hear from Dr. Roger Hodkinson, but you are on this show. So I want to play some clips. Uh, this one is... Um, do no harm. Carlos, if we could hear from Dr. Roger Hodkinson talking about uh, the lockdown. I'm a traditional physician. I spent my life in evidence-based medicine, and I adhere to one of the most important tenets of the Hippocratic Oath, which is first do no harm. Before you even think about treating someone, first do no harm. That's what's motivating me, because as I survey all the unintended consequences of these interventions internationally, it's very clear to me that the degree of harm in many different aspects of society, and I could elaborate on, grossly exceeds the benefit that they claim. And when there's that degree of, uh, when it's so much out of sync with the intended objective, and the degree of harm is so enormous, it's up to every physician to stand up and be counted, because that's the essence of what we are about. We put people and society before ourselves at all times, at three o'clock in the morning or in front of a microphone. It doesn't matter. There you go. That's uh, Dr. Roger Hodkinson, who has been uh, silenced. And I know that the uh, the College of Physicians and Surgeons have distanced themselves from uh, his remarks. But uh, I think it's important that you get to hear that. I think he should be at the table. He might be wrong. You might think he's wrong, but I, we need to hear that, uh, that dissenting opinion. And we're not, we're not, uh, I'll play some more from Dr. Roger Hodkinson when the conspiracy show continues. Stay with us. You want the truth? You can handle the truth. The conspiracy show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer radio to get the truth. Call Richard now at 416-360-0740. Or toll-free at 1-866-740-4740. All right, I want to get back to uh, Dr. Hodkinson. Again, this was the uh, the pathologist who spoke at a, uh, a city council meeting in Edmonton last, um, I think it was November 13th or something like that. And his comments uh, caused quite a storm. Although, to me, what he was saying sounded quite quite reasonable. And it doesn't necessarily fit the narrative that we we seem to be spoon-fed on a daily basis, but that's okay. That should be allowed. And we should be allowed to hear from someone like Dr. Hodkinson. And if I were the premier, I would want someone like him, not necessarily him, but someone with a dissenting view sitting around the table so that I'm getting both sides. To me, what has happened is the province is being run by decree, these edicts from public health officials who are not elected, who are not accountable. You know, provinces, uh, they have a, an emergency response plan in place for such, for these pandemics. And it seems to me that they have lost sight. They call it the fog of war. What was the rationale for what they're doing? 
And in these emergency plans, I am told, there is a balancing that has to be done to mitigate the risk, but also to maintain social structure and, 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 your, and your, uh, your economy. You can't destroy the economy. And so that is, it seems to me this emergency plan has gone out the window, and now the focus is on making sure no one gets COVID. That is because public health officials, they're not economists. They're focused on health. Yes, that's important, but it's, it's one part of this puzzle. If you're focusing exclusively on preventing people from getting COVID, remember, flatten the curve. It's not about that anymore. It's prevent people from getting COVID. That's not going to end well, and it's not. It's been a catastrophic failure. Um, okay, so I want to get back to Dr. Hodkinson, and um, here he is talking about these, um, what he calls draconian measures. The Milan experience is very, very clear, and elsewhere since, that the majority of deaths occurring in elderly people with comorbidities. And in our own province here, if you translate those numbers into actual hardcore numbers that lay people would understand, the risk of death under 60 in the province of Alberta in Canada is one, in people who are otherwise well, the working well, as I call them, the risk of death is one in 300,000. You don't inject into ordinary life these draconian measures to try and save one in 300,000 people. Many of those that are under 60 and are dying of this also have comorbidities, by the way. Bad disease doesn't start at the age of 60. So if there's no real significant threat for the vast majority of the population, the entire focus, as the Great Barrington Declaration said, is focused protection for the people that are vulnerable, the elderly in nursing homes, for whom there should be a redoubling of protection in all kinds of fashion, including access to electronic media to keep in touch with their family, vitamin D supplementation, etc. That is not happening. And that is where the action should be, not in these draconian restrictions of freedom for people who are simply not going to die. What has changed with the way that we're dealing with long-term care and, the, and, these, and our seniors, our most vulnerable people, aside from finally recognizing that allowing uh, these long-term healthcare workers because they don't get paid enough, so they move from facility to facility to facility to earn enough money. And it seems to me that's where some of the spreading, based on what I've read, where some of the spreading was occurring in these long-term care facilities. With these PSWs that were moving from facility to facility because they weren't getting paid enough. And I think this is important, just a quick aside. Do you know the single largest owner of these long-term healthcare facilities, the single largest, single largest owner, federal employee pension funds. Now, um, all of these billions of dollars that Trudeau is sending overseas, tens of billions, $60 billion to developing countries to help them battle COVID or to help them battle climate change, don't you think we could have used $60 billion, injected that into long-term care facilities or give it to the province to inject into long-term care facilities or to give to business owners so that they could stay open, so that they could mitigate risk? 
Uh, let's say hi to Skip in Connecticut. Skip, welcome. You're doing a great job. Uh, I think this is the biggest single attack on the common man since the flood. And the biggest attack on churches since they started ha- making churches, you know, in terms of the structures, you know, in the history of mankind. So that's how it's unfolded. Uh, but I think this is all to route people into a vaccine. It's called vaccine terrorism. Uh, that's the singular overriding goal is the vaccine. And they're not going to let people live until they take a vaccine. Now, uh, Bill Gates runs the world, in fact, uh, and these governments, including Canada's government. And, uh, you know, well, what do you think of that, Richard? The Pfizer vaccine uh, lists side effects such as uh, demyelization of nerves. That's what happened to Stephen Hawking. That's what happens in MS. You have cardiac nerves that go into your heart. What happens if those nerves malfunction? You know, why is the side effects of the Pfizer vaccine not being looked at by the media per se? Right. Right there. Right. Well, I think that would be a healthy discussion. Uh, it seems no one's interested in having that discussion. I tell you what, I, I'm not an anti-vaxxer. I think you need to examine them on a case-by-case basis. But when a brand new automobile comes out on the market, uh, let's say like the Volkswagen Atlas. I remember the, the first year it came out and, you know, my sons would say, Oh, I love that. We should get that. I said, No, you, you wait a, at least a year and let's just see what the reviews are like. Okay. Once, once, uh, a year goes by, you can sort of make some determination. All oh, the reviews have not been very good. I'm not going to rush out and buy an Atlas Volkswagen the, the year it comes, the very year it comes, rolls off the assembly line and I'm not going to line up to be the first to take a vaccine until you know, we see some results here or, or some, uh, at least some anecdotal evidence about its efficacy, about its safety. And I'm certainly not going to put my children in line uh, until I see some of that. And the, the idea that, that uh, we're, we're going to be restricted and not allowed to travel unless we have a, a vaccine passport, that is odious, to say the least. Back with more in a moment. Peering into the shadows, where the truth often hides. You're listening to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. When someone in charge of some social media platform or in the mainstream news say, you shouldn't listen to this person, that makes me want to listen to them all the more. Uh, And that's why I I want you to hear... Another clip from uh, Dr. Roger Hodkinson, again, a pathologist uh, with some background in virology. I believe he's the chairman of a, uh, a company in North Carolina that's developing a test or has developed a COVID test. He uh, resides in Alberta and spoke back in November at a city council meeting regarding uh, protocols, uh, again, in Edmonton. And uh, I want you to, uh, Carlos, if you could jump ahead to... Um, why overreaction? This is, uh, we're jumping ahead one clip. This is why over the re- overreaction, Dr. Roger Hodkinson. It was a dirty pair of shoes that walked out of a high security lab in Wuhan that became 
entered into the general population, the air flights between Wuhan and Milan, because of the leather industry, immediately transported it to Europe. The genie was out of the bottle. People started dying like flies in Milan. Ferguson got hold of it at Imperial College. He plugged in numbers into his absurd computer modeling and came up with these ridiculous predictions. The media got hold of it. The media gorges on crises, as you well know. <laughs> it's what sells advertising. Fanned it like mercilessly internationally. And so ministers of health internationally, at the same moment in time, the premiers would have looked at their ministers of health and the conversation would have gone something like this. Have you seen these numbers? I want to plan on my desk tomorrow morning. I don't care what it is, except it's got to be visible and immediate. Do you hear me? That's what they did. They implemented what the only thing is they could think of were masks and social distancing and all these other things. Understandably, it might have been true. They didn't know it at that time. But very shortly thereafter, they did from the Milan experience and others that it was picking off old people who were very vulnerable with comorbidities. By that time, of course, the politicians had backed themselves into this corner of these draconian shutdowns. And like every politician that's ever lived, the very last thing that you want to do is admit you're wrong because of the consequences of the next election. So they all constantly passed it. And, you know, how many angels can have a meal in a restaurant today? Is it 23 today? Is it 45 tomorrow? These arbitrary decisions by idiots were implemented internationally overnight. And they were utterly resistant to change because that's not the nature of politics. That's why we're in this mess today. I think that's a, a wonderful summation of what has happened here. Great deal of truth to what he has to say. And there's no harm in hearing from someone like Dr. Roger Hodkinson. I think it would be of great benefit if some of our elected officials would have someone like that around the table instead of being fed a constant mantra and drone from uh, people who are only fixated on cases and have lost sight through this fog of war of the need to balance healthcare along with the economy and allowing people to manage their own risk and give them the resources to do that instead of sending $60 billion overseas while our long-term care facilities are being totally mismanaged. For God's sakes, we still have in the 21st century, in 2020, we have Native Canadians on reserves still boiling their drinking water. That is another stain. All right, let's say hi to uh, Mark is in Mississauga. Mark, welcome. Jared, for uh, putting me on and letting me do a quick, uh, I'll do some fast bullet points and move on because your show is near the end there. I personally think our ex-drama teacher may have the country doomed for failure. And I think the, as Roy Green show would say, the Laurentian elites did their homework. Send the man abroad, danced in his garb, got one vote. Free marijuana, pot, got the millennials, another vote. Did their homework, immigration, everybody, come on over, free school, free health, free everything. And at doing so, all you have to do, come election time, check off the correct box. You know, your show, Roy Green and the late Gary Spaceman Bell, his last show, November 11th, 2017, even mentioned 
uh, pandemic coming up. It was really quite interesting. Your, your guest from last month, Rex Beard, hit it right on the nail. Everything that basically he was saying, a little bit detailed, but right on. And then when you look at the ex-drama teacher, the scandals, the we, the railway, the GNP we lost before COVID on the railway, the pipeline, S.C. Lavalin, Monroe, finance minister, running away. They know they can get away with all of it because this has been advertised, talked about, and nothing's been done. Nothing can be done. And the Laurentian elites do a great job because they did their homework. So the conservatives, everybody else scratching their heads, what can we do? How can we come back in power? Well, no. They're one step ahead. And they get the marching orders probably somewhere from across the pond. They got it down to a fine art. And I think all that put together, I think he, he doesn't care about Canada. He's got the bigger agenda. And I think him and the other G19 have a plan. It's like a war room. One milestone met, next chapter. You have some resistance, there's a plan B. I, I hope that there is some resistance happening in the background and people will look at all this. And that, uh, that doctor you're talking about from Edmonton, from Alberta, he was on the Roy Green show where they paid the long slip of it. Right down, right down the line. Everything has two sides of a coin. And we're not showing the second side except on a few shows like yours. So when you look at all that, that's the unfortunate part. And I really hope, and like, like, like you say on Coast and your show, there's always a near listening to every show. And if something does happen, they'll try to block it. So I hope there will be some resistance and people will kind of see the message and, and somehow we can get out of it. And uh, that's basically it. Mark, I think, I thank uh, you for thank you for your comments and uh, wishing you and yours a, a happy New Year's and hopefully a, a prosperous and healthy one as well. Uh, I think I have time for one more quick one. Robert is in Toronto. Robert, welcome. Hey, Richard, how you doing? I'm well, thank you. I don't got much time, so at some other time, I'd love to meet you for a beer and debate you, but I think you're all over the place, um, and I just want to comment on the one thing about lockdowns and their messaging. I'm not in a lockdown. I'm self-isolating because I choose to be so, but most people can still move about. This isn't like a prison. I hate when people make that con- connection. It's just a messaging problem. We have some restrictions placed on us. If everybody would just adhere to them, I think we'll be over before they have to prolong them. But they keep prolonging them because there's too many people out there not listening. That's my opinion. Well, that's, and that's, you're certainly uh, entitled to your opinion. When you say I'm all over the place, I don't know what you mean. Um, it's, it's open lines. I'm getting questions. I'm fielding questions and, and making comments. I think I've been pretty consistent in my message. So I, I wouldn't say I'm all over the place. Uh, no, it's not a prison. But if, if we, things continue along this track, um, and your, when your mobility is severely restricted, uh, when you are told you cannot go to a place of worship, um, when you are told you cannot open your business and support your family and you must rely upon a, uh, a government handout, uh, that is cause for grave concern. Grave concern. And uh, I, will, I will end the program as I, I began in saying that this has been a calamitous, epic disaster. And we will look back on this as one of the, the greatest mishandling and, and policy disasters in human history. Now, uh, when I, if I didn't get to you, my apologies. We'll, uh, 
We'll look to uh, 2021, hopefully for for better times, and uh, we will certainly continue to talk about this, no doubt. In the meantime, my uh, my sincere thanks uh, to Carlos, Kajina, and Ryan White. Great job, fellas. Back next week with a brand new program. Hope you'll be along for the ride. In the meantime, don't be afraid. There's nothing concealed that won't be revealed and nothing hidden that won't be made known. What you hear in the dark, speak in the light. What I say in a whisper, proclaim from the housetops. Move over, Aphrodite. I'm coming home. Good night. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.